in front of a live studio audience, it's the Dicebreaker Podcast with your host, Matt Jarvis! Hey, wait, I just realized that I find the host, I'm like, clapping myself, so... Clap yourself, Matt! Do it! Love I, yourself. I, I do. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. I listen to that BTS song, like, it that's, gets me yeah, one feeling inside. that's definitely what I was referencing. <laughs> Love yourself, yeah. Um, hello. Oh, really? Welcome, it's Friday. It is. It's the Dicebreaker Podcast. It's live, live! <laughs> Unless you're listening on catch-up, in which case... It's, it's... not! <laughs> it was live! <laughs> Uh, we're here to talk about board games and tabletop RPGs and all kinds of things that you find on a table mm-hmm. and that you can play. Uh, I'm Matt Jarvis. Thank you for the intro, Wills. I'm joined this week once again by two wonderful members of the Dicebreaker team, Liv Kennedy. Hello, it's me doing? again this week. Hi. <laughs> yes, that's it. All good. All right. Yeah, no, yeah. We love the confident <laughs> queen. Uh, <laughs> uh, and of course, uh, Michael Wills Willen. How's it going, folks? It's me, Michael Wheels Whelan, again. <laughs> again, don't get rid of him. Yeah, I know, but, you know, it's all about... It's not about the idea, it's about the execution, Liv. And, all right, uh... okay, fine, let me try again. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's me, Olivia Kennedy. Ooh. Oh, yeah, I like that. A little bit of a macho man Randy Savage <laughs> tone for that one. Love it. Uh, Fantastic. Coming in strong. Thank you. We should we should all get our own entrance music for this podcast. I feel we've got oh we've got entrance music God. for the podcast itself. Now we just need entrance music for each of us individually. Can you imagine mm-hmm. what would be your like wrestling walkout music, Matt? Uh, I feel like mine would unfortunately probably be so halfway between the Undertaker's like Dead Man Walking, like <laughs> ringing bell, and then John Cena's The Time Is Now, uh, and. Oh like very bad kind of rap is that you know you get to choose right <laughs> yeah but i feel like You're that's the that's kind of the energy i give off okay. is like is that your very I'm very, very poor tired. rap and also yeah just kind of like sullen goth child mm. uh, okay, okay you uh, Liv, we're we're coming around to you next. What would what would be your entrance music? What are you walking into? What are you coming down the ramp? Uh, I've been trying to think of something the entire time you were talking about being a dead man walking, but I could. Um, <laughs> I think it would be like um, something way too cutesy to be threatening, mm. uh, like oh, maybe yeah. Smile by Lily Allen or something, and then like come in and whack somebody over the head with a chair. <laughs> That's good. Would you kind of go like the Bailey route of having like a wacky mm. waving flavor arm tube men? Wacky oh, waving, I mean, flatable, arm flailing tube man. Um, yes. Wacky flailing inflatable arm flailing tube man. <laughs> wacky waving inflatable <laughs> arm flailing tube man. Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Or if they're an option, I'm gonna. Yeah, I mean, they're there. Yeah, this is yeah. this like, is wrestling the, we're talking the, about. You can do anything. Yeah, there's no I budget. Want, I want to not be able to see for wacky waving arm flailing mm. inflatable arm flailing tube man. Uh, <laughs> if that's just like bursting through the trees. Yeah, like it's it's the a sea style. of wacky. I'm not going to do it again, but it's, it's a sea of <laughs> wacky waving, floating, arm flailing tube man. There you go. Uh, Wills, um, what are you coming in on? I don't know if it's as... just because of yesterday's live stream, but I think I want Even Flow by Pearl Jam. <laughs> Even <laughs> Flow. It's also just because I've been watching CM Punk on the last Dynamite, so he's like. Cold mm-hmm. personality is such a fantastic walkout. It is a good entrance theme, and yeah, I, I feel like strong. I feel like even Flo's got like a similar vibe without just co-opting that, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Alternatively, um, 
It's something with the word wheels in it, which I can't think of anything. You could, I mean, you could go like the Triple H route and just come down on a motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess like Biker Taker used to be on a motorcycle. Yeah. And there was the year of WrestleMania where it was sponsored by Terminator Genesis or something. Yeah. And Triple H came out on a god awful looking like robot <laughs> float thing made of skulls. Triple H is uh, it was of, bad. One of the most embarrassing men in, in all of entertainment, <laughs> I think. Love that. Um. All I can think of with a like a lyric with wheels in it. All I could think of oh, was just like "Born to Be Wheel." <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I was thinking of the wheels on the bus, which is that's, probably not. That's that. what the chat have gone. They've said rock and roll version of wheels on the bus. Yeah, <laughs> that's the wheels good on the bus go round and round. <laughs> My favorite thing of wrestlers is when you hear like because uh, Big Show is now part of AW, mm. just as Paul White. Um, mm. He's a very, very bad commentator, <laughs> but also like every now and again he'll do a match and you hear his walkout music and it is the most like dad rock thing <laughs> in the entire world because like they haven't been cool for like 30 years. So it's like, I'm a dude walking around doing a wrestle at a really cool. And it's like, oh, I like God, that, how straightforward it is. I like, mm. you know, knowing what's going to be happening. Yeah. Also, I'd like to revise my answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want a character arc, please. Okay. Um, yeah. So I start off with like a really cutesy thing, yeah. and then eventually, after like you know, so like a heel has gone too far, I you it's it's, it's instead it is live and let die. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Bam, 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 bam. Yeah, no, I rate that. I rate that. Yeah. I, I, Fell said Wheels actually comes out on a bus as my walkout. I think if I had some kind of Mad Max style war bus, I'd, I'd be mm. very into yeah. it. Um, but yeah, so there we go. That's us. Uh, there we go. The There's our entry Yeah, <laughs> we're here. Uh, we're entering down the ramp. We're about to enter the ring and like hit each other over the head with large board games That's right. that cost many many pounds or dollars. This is our gimmick mm -hmm. match. We have to do it over a video call. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in the history of wrestling they have they have fought with copies of board games or smashed yeah. something over someone's oh, head. Oh or... God, look out! Here comes Descent Legends of the Dark. Oh, no. I mean, <laughs> no, if you're looking to take someone out, Descent Legends of the Dark yeah. is yeah. yeah, it's like That's... one step up from a steel chair. Famously, mm -hmm. one of our opening questions when we hire a new staff member is. Uh, what is the most dangerous board game weapon? Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people say D4s, the Caltrops. Yeah. Um, Gloomhaven mm. gets brought up a lot as well. Gloomhaven, yeah. We yeah, will yeah. see what our new hire has to say. Yes, yes. Uh, which yeah. will be soon. Uh, but before we get to that, <laughs> let's dive in with what we've been up to this past week. Uh, let's kick it round, Liv. Oh. Let's kick off of you this week. Okay. Playing what you've been doing. All right, then. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to go in the order that I have here because it'll lead into you, Matt. You're going next, Matt. I've decided. Ooh, okay. Um... Cool. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have stuff I need to discuss with Matt. <laughs> uh, well, no, because don't discuss it too hard because we've got content. We've got yeah. content. We do, we do have content. <laughs> we do have content. content. We promise. We've got content. <laughs> it's somewhere Please. around here. <laughs> Hang us upside down. down and shake us till the content falls out. <laughs> Um, so this week I have not been doing much. I've been sleeping most of the time, but also, um, I have been playing Blood Bowl 3 that Wheels played on the channel oh last week. Yeah. Uh, Liv, we've just left a glaring omission on our, what have we played this week sheet that I'm just going to write in all caps. Uh, 
because <laughs> we literally filmed it on Tuesday. But that's uh, fine. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. can talk about that. We'll All right, that. carry on. Level <laughs> yeah, three. Well, yeah, let me. I'm just gonna put it here with me well, as we well. We don't both have to talk about. It. Well, we can no, also I mean, I wanna. Yeah. Um. Actually, okay. Look, I'll figure it out. Don't worry. I got this, guys. <laughs> um. <laughs> Um, Blood Bowl 3, the app that is in alpha, beta. Beta, I think. Beta. Yeah, I, think I believe it's a limited beta. beta. Yeah. Yeah. So Close if you pre ordered it or if you are pressed, like we are. Cool. Uh, we're pressed. Uh, yeah, no. Um... <laughs> we're pressed um... for time, Liv. So let's crack up. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's a lie okay um yeah no uh blood ball three i've been playing it's good it's difficult i don't get it it's um hard. yeah i did the tutorial yes so I, I understand most of it i kind of i know how to make them move and do mostly what i want mm. um but like uh i think i maybe i actually discussed this last week i might have done um but i played more of it now so i'll keep this brief um yeah it's hard i switched over from oh yeah i talked about the i spoke about the fancy boys yes the fancy boys yeah my fancy boys um i've moved away from the fancy boys to the big boys now okay. which are like the orc team mm -hmm. um and uh, they are slightly better but like i was like i'm gonna be able to knock down everyone and then like this elf team just ran straight past me to the end zone and i was like i, oh, that's the I wasn't able to do that when i was a fancy boy what are you talking about yeah that's the balance you gotta have this is why I yeah. think Skaven are really good fashion because they've got the um, rat ogres, which mm -hmm. are the big boys, right? You've mm -hmm. obviously got super speedy boys because they're Skaven, but then mm -hmm. they've got like a mechanical ball launcher unit as well, which is really good at, at like throwing. Um, so yeah. like they've got like a good mix, you know. I'm okay. terrible at Skaven in Blood Bowl. I just get crushed. They're not, uh, but they're I think not that's because my my play tactic is to just run into the wall and hope that I go through it. And with small squishy rats, that's not a good idea. Mm. See, I, I beat, I did beat the Blood Bowl two like campaign, so like I I know how to play Blood Bowl, uh, to a to at least some degree. Uh, but yeah, I would never claim to be good at it. And I, I don't know if it's if it's just because the rules have changed a little bit or what. But Blood Bowl three had me really confused. Uh, yeah, I think the new one's based on second season edition, which was the one that came out in twenty twenty. Whereas Blood Bowl 2 was based on, like, way back, not even the edition before that, not even the revised edition from, like, 2016. When they had the came out, red and black yeah. lumberjack with the hats match. I don't know. Come <laughs> on, Matt. I've, I've used that joke on every member of the team. At least I thought at least you would get it. You said way back. No? Uh, no. Juicy? No, just... By Biggie? No? No? All right, then. I mean, maybe the problem's you, Wheels. Maybe it is. <laughs> maybe my taste is just too elite for this team. <laughs> um, no, okay. By liking one of the most popular hip-hop songs of all time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, I've been playing that. That's good. Um, I have also been... Uh, so, everyone, I have ADHD. Mm -hmm. Um and I sometimes will hyperfocus for a prolonged period of time. And I am this hyperfocus is hyperfocused on Seven Days to Die, which is a um, video game. Video game. I, I think crafting like survival games are like purpose built for people with ADHD. Honestly, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's wild. <laughs> yeah, it really is. No, it's just like it, it's it's basically Minecraft, but it's a zombie zombie apocalypse, and you Ooh. have. Um, every so zombies are going around everywhere, and then past ten o'clock at night, 
then the zombies get a little bit feral and they run and they do more damage and they could chase after you and stuff like that um so you got to be a bit more bit more careful past 10 o'clock then on the seventh day um there's a horde of zombies that um attack you and it's really difficult and you have to Hence build a seven base. days to die exactly right. this is, the title is it like a cycle or is it a set seven days it's a cycle okay um yeah so seven days then then 14 then 21 blah blah ah. um yeah and they get worse and worse like people there are there's so much content on youtube for death seven days to die where people are like i'm on day seven thousand and here's the oh seven god reward. yeah <laughs> and it's just like ah um so much uh going on but here's, um here's a question for you Liv, because yeah. I, I genuinely i absolutely love these games like these are my these are my crack but like yeah. <laughs> what like to what degree do the zombie hordes destroy your base every seven days um so here's the thing wheels right um it depends on what base you make okay. um so i when i first started playing this game which I, I played it non-stop like six months ago then left it for like the last six months and then came back to it now um i was like building bases and i was hoping i had like enough like wood that the zombies wouldn't be able to like get through penetrate and get into the place i was just hiding curled up in a ball um so that wasn't the good the best idea then i went underground zombies could dig turns out they could dig real fast um, <laughs> um <laughs> so they just dug underneath and then got me while i was curled up in a ball this that time, sounds terrifying it is, like, it zombies is, were bad it, enough but they, you know you could at least lock them outside and kind of just let them like bump into the walls or whatever. I remember because I, I I played Minecraft from like when it was first a thing, and I remember when they first added the ability for zombies to break your doors, and it was like, <laughs> and I was like, what's happening? Because I hadn't read the patch notes or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it's genuinely really anxiety-inducing. Like I remember, yeah, the last time I played it, I think that's part of why I was like, I can't do this anymore because it was just me on the seventh day of of. of just being like <laughs> coming oh my god <laughs> um so this time around i've done more research and what the, the zombies are programmed with in a specific way okay and they're always looking for a path to get to you right so if you give them a path to get to you but you prevent them from getting to you they're going to just keep running up that path yeah sort of, getting... sort of like a balloons situation <laughs> <laughs> you, you know like a um tower defense game Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so yeah, no, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad we have such a shared terminology. Yeah, we do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, just like balloons. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, just like balloons. Digging and balloons wills us two areas of expertise. <laughs> <laughs> so the zombies be running, basically, and then they come up, um, and then I use a turret to knock them off the edge, and then they come up again, and I shoot them in the face if they get too far um, in the game. Uh, yeah, so that's what I'm doing at the moment, and that's fun. The, apart from that, also, oh, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, fine, fine. Okay, I'm going to go to you, Matt. As I said, I'm a woman of my word. Um, shall we discuss the phenomenon th that is Too Hot to Handle Season 3? <laughs> yes, yes, we should, but not too much, because not we're planning much. to discuss it in a little bit more detail uh, for a member's video. We're going to go through some of our favorite trash. No, it's not three off three handle. What's the third fast? Yeah, what's the third fast? Is that Tokyo Drift? I think that's Tokyo Drift. 
I can't. You really want to know if they touch each other in Tokyo? <laughs> I live. I don't know about you. I've, so I finished the season. We won't uh, like. I won't drop any spoilers. Well, yes. we, we should probably say uh, these two are planning. No, and me as well. Sorry. Yeah, we, we're, and you. we're planning to do a trash TV roundtable for Dicebreaker Plus members. So yep. if that sounds That's like cool. it's part of your bag, then look out for that because that will be mm. coming soon. If yeah, you listen to the podcast before, you might remember that Liv and I have a, like a, a very shared passion for just like yeah. terrible, like ter- great terrible like mm-hmm. uh, reality TV, uh, which yeah. I would say that Too Hot to Handle is like right up there with it's both peak. the trashiest, but also like some of the most fantastic television you'll ever watch yeah uh, no it's 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 so compelling it like, is like, like why oh do i care God. about these relationships so much like why do i care about their character arcs within yeah, this like, like, ridiculous show oh, so like oh, I'm not, i don't want to give any spoilers but matt you know when like there was like the return yes yeah that I was like, like Twin Peaks, yes, the return. Yeah, <laughs> that blew my mind. Um, but yeah, no, <laughs> though there's a lot of good stuff in Too Hot to Handle season three, um, and I think that you should watch it and then you know join in on the trash talk if you're a Dice Breaker Plus member. Yeah, for those for those who aren't super familiar, so quickly, Too Hot to Handle is kind of like Love Island in reverse. Uh, in the yeah. people it's are dropped cool. onto an island <laughs> and they are like the most sexed up like. Like, mm-hmm. I love that you say dropped onto an like, island like it's Fortnite. <laughs> well, they, they think they're there for a show called like Pleasure Island, and they're basically like, "Yeah, we're all gonna like get down and day," uh, mm-hmm. and then they oh. flip it, and there's like an antagonistic Siri like uh, robot <laughs> thing uh, called Lana that mm-hmm. then basically is like, "Okay, no, no, like having no. sex, no Noodling. kissing, no heavy petting, like none of that. Uh, keep your hands off each other. You're gonna like you're." It's the most ridiculous high it's concept so thing where yeah. it's like you're gonna learn how to have proper relationships with each other by mm-hmm. being fined. Mm. <laughs> yeah. If you touch it, like they start with an amount of money, mm-hmm. um, which I will say on on this series they're like we've doubled it this series, and it's like hmm, that's very fortuitous, uh, given that they just seem to have the most like the most. Uh, too hot to handle contestants ever yeah mm. i don't um, think it, it could but they've doubled all of the the fines as well yeah, so difference. yeah it's just the numbers are bigger well, it's like scaling in Yu-Gi-Oh. Higher, they just add like... extra zeros yes. to the end of everything yeah um, yeah. yes there are so many similarities between too hot to handle season three and Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so i haven't um i haven't watched any too hot to handle but i have watched a YouTube video essay about the sociological studies. Yes. <laughs> well, so, this is yeah. very predictable. There's a there's a channel called We're in Hell, um, who is like this yeah. left wing like Canadian YouTuber who's very good. Um, but he does like a video on because he loves he loves like sociologically deconstructing reality TV shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does a fantastic one on on like I think it's called Stay Here, which is on Netflix, which is like one of those. Uh, property makeover shows but mm-hmm. the idea is that it's not someone's house they're just making it into an airbnb and it is the most oh. horrendous like late <laughs> capitalism awful mm-hmm. just mess you've ever seen uh but he does a really good video on like surveillance culture and like 
why is there an AI in this like weird sex show? It's, it's, everyone yeah, it's seems to suspend dis their like suspend disbelief in a way that is mm -hmm. so weirdly compelling. Like mm. everyone is absolutely like they play it straight with this yeah. light up like lava lamp it's thing. Wrestling. Is, yeah, <laughs> but. It, the way it presents itself as being this like reality show of like they have no idea what's going on yeah. like they've never they've never heard of this show yeah like, no. surely they have no idea what they're point, in for they no know what their excuse this time was that they were like oh we filmed this the day after the last season so nobody would have seen it the day after <laughs> yeah. Jesus. We the we're just shipping out horny <laughs> teens every five days <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But you've also never seen, I, as, as someone that has like quite deep-rooted anxiety, mm -hmm. uh, I just cannot relate to people who are so confident about themselves. They will yeah. introduce themselves as being like, yes, I am incredibly popular, no mm -hmm. one can resist me. And just like absolutely play it straight, like no mm -hmm. kind of self-deprecating punchline not... to that. Just like I think yes, it's not I confidence am though. It's like self-delusion. That's the problem. It's wild. Yeah, yeah there's a, there's a point where it's just like, oh, are you okay? There, yeah. there is a moment in the the second episode where uh, one one of the contestants does something, and you see it it getting to this point, and they they discuss what they're about to do, which is like a kind of like a grandish gesture. Yeah, and it is so excruciating to watch play out moment by moment as you know what's about to happen yeah it's uh, just like a, a, a car getting closer and closer and you're like i gotta yeah. move but i can't look away from it. the reaction from from the other person is just you couldn't you genuinely couldn't write like comedy television better and <laughs> it's it is just i just felt my own like bodily shell collapsing in on itself wanting to retreat away from the screen <laughs> it was it was bad stuff like it was good stuff but it was bad stuff yeah no yeah. but the best part about that is that this this i was telling wills about this earlier this particular person they kept trying this kind of grand gesture like oh mm. really lovey-dovey stuff with them they were like i don't want that why do you think i want that <laughs> Yeah, there's a, they, like there are a number of people in there who are like openly manipulative, and and it's like you know you're being filmed, right? Like you know yeah. this is like sociopathic Again, like... behavior on the record now. So, like, so this is one of the things I want to talk about because like because um, I recently finished three seasons worth of um, Selling Sunset, which yes. again awful, yes. by which I mean great, um, yeah. where this is like. Uh, it's like 20 to 30 something like Botoxed up supermodel like blonde women who work in this real estate agency in LA selling yeah. billion dollar properties or whatever and it's just oh god it like it makes you lose all faith in, yeah. in like every, any kind of space of humanity that you can think of um, but it's also like if you look at the like the people outside of the show and how they talk about it and stuff. There's so many moments where you're just like, you know, you're on camera, right? But it's like, mm. yeah, they do. They know they're on yeah. camera. It's why they're doing this. So like one of the like big villains of the show is very open about the fact that she was just like, well, yeah, I know what the show needed and I know what was going to make me most famous. So I did that. And it was just like, yeah, yeah. sure. You know, like, um, but yeah, let's let's save some of this chat for. Let's save some of this. There's, yeah. there's much to say, uh, but um, yes, uh, if you, yeah. if you enjoyed brilliant trash yes go yes watch. exactly to to. Sunset. join dicebreaker plus because that's yes. where it'll be um yeah 
it's good stuff yeah, on there. Join um, below this video if you're watching on YouTube and you will find some details about what you get and how much it costs. Yes, um, I've got one last thing that I've been watching recently that is like really cool. Um, it's a YouTube channel called Cruel World Happy Mind, um, which is literally, it sounds like, it doesn't sound like a video essay channel, but it is a video essay channel. Um, and it like basically, uh, it's um, a researcher, she goes through like how, like the downfall of a bunch of like famous social influences and it's just like oh cool i've heard of these people and i know that they are not very good people but i don't know why so mm. thank you for letting me know what what happened there yeah um yeah and like um these videos are like over an hour hour long each so wow. if you're looking for like a long there length... is like there's this wild thing of like on youtube i think it's becoming more and more common for people to be almost like like internet historians yeah. um and it's something that actual historians like aren't really bothering with mm. despite the fact that the internet is now getting old enough that you know that it's a valid pursuit of information to try and like categorize and, and like understand what happened and stuff like that yeah. um but yeah it's just strange that at some point in the future the like things that happened on the internet that only people who are terminally online will understand are mm -hmm. going to be like really important you know things like QAnon and like like all these all these like mm. monumental events that aren't just really recorded as much in like mainstream yeah. media and like yeah uh, educational programs and stuff i think there it's... has to be a turning point at some point where it's just like who is actually talking about this stuff other than just youtubers <laughs> yeah. it's so wild to me that there's like you know the um the the a subculture beneath like the public news that is still news itself but yeah. just so like and it's still very widely known, but just it's not accepted as the norm. I don't yeah, know. It's, 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 yeah, it's weird. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A brief yeah. tangent, uh, jumping back to our TV talk, uh, Stephen yeah. says, considering I met my now husband by deal or no deal fandom, <laughs> I don't think I can judge their taste in TV, which is an incredible thing. Stephen, I, I would, I would I love to know about, about the deal day. or no deal fandom. I would love to know how many Noel shirts you've got at home. <laughs> Is that the same same as like wearing like a football football shirt for your favorite mm -hmm. team? You know, what's your favorite Noel shirt, and how often do you rock it? Um, Can I ask you a question, Stephen? If you are still in the chat, um, so I my theory of deal deal or no deal is that none of it matters. It all depends on what you choose and what the last box is, right? Is that right. how it works? Well, no. The the point is like it's basically a push your luck game where it's like yeah. the more boxes you reveal, the odds of you having something really good in your box go up or mm -hmm. down. So you yes. have to pick the ultimate point where it is worth as much as it could be, and you have to barter with the banker. Yeah, yes. that, that's that's but, the, that's the gimmick. Um, but ultimately, <laughs> no. But <yeah>. surely, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Isn't it the thing where if you accept the first offer, that can be often just the best, like average. A lot of the time, yeah. Price. I think so. Yeah, mm. yeah. Because like, but there's also yeah. isn't there the logic puzzle about there are two doors? Do you swap or like oh, do you swap God, your door or do one. you swap your gift? And it's always better to stay with the gift you have. That for mm. some logical reason that people. But no, like, I think know. like mathematically it is, but when it comes to like real normal human sense, it doesn't actually <laughs> make any difference. I think that's that's yeah. the annoying thing because mm. it's like oh yeah, but now you have a fifty percent chance. It's like yeah, but I've already selected from that fifty percent chance. Yeah. It doesn't make any difference. <laughs> but yeah, mm -hmm. anyway. Um, um, but yeah, I think yeah. that's that's pretty much it. And also, David Leonard Flanagan says I've been watching videos as well. They're they're really interesting. They are really good. They're like Krill World, Happy Mind, check her out. She's cool. Matt, you played Red Dead Two to completion, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, I just keep hearing crew, crew world, I'm moving on in my head. Um, right. So, yeah. uh, is that all you've got for this week, Liv? Um, uh, yeah, sure. Matt, um... you, Matt, would you like to go next? Sure, yeah, I'll lead on, yeah. uh, given that we, we tangented somewhat with Too Hot a Handle. I'm, I'm, I'm desperately uh, pulling us back onto the tracks. I, to be honest, uh, well, good luck, because I haven't actually played very much this week Sick. because I've been moving house, and therefore mm. most of my games have been packed in various boxes uh, and unable for me to access. What I have been playing, because I wasn't on last week's podcast, is I've been playing a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel. What? Uh, which you may have seen Will's playing on the channel. Uh, <laughs> I also wrote about for the site. Uh, I think it's really good. <laughs> like, I've always been oh. on the cusp of being into Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, mm. Because it plays into the fact that I like yeah. big robots. And, You're like, the target that market. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think one of the, the things that Master Jewel has really made me appreciate is the way that it's all on the cards, for better and worse. It's... In Magic, you have mana. In Pokemon, you have energy cards. You have to have, like, a resource to power along your cards. In Yu-Gi-Oh!, the resource is the cards itself. So if you have monsters out, you can, you know, then tribute those monsters to summon bigger monsters and so on. But you don't have... You can have spells and you can have traps. But you don't have, like, just a dedicated energy source for playing cards or for powering cards. It's all just there. Which is part of what allows that game to become this ridiculous exercise in just building like a single turn combo that wipes everything out mm -hmm. because you can chain together so many cards and so many effects that if you get the right amount of things lined up, you can then just be like, okay, you're gone. It, Game it's over. kind of like yeah. a delayed explosion, um, which as the person who's most often on the receiving end of that delayed explosion is kind of, I win very few games online, uh, but mm -hmm. it's kind of fascinating to watch people just absolutely obliterate me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I think this is why I don't like Yu-Gi-Oh! Because that is literally like my least favorite thing about card games, where it's like the the four things I need to happen have happened, and therefore it's impossible for you to win. And it's like yeah. okay, like <laughs> you know, yeah. I much rather games where it's like the dynamics are always shifting, and like you can never really truly tell who's on top, you know? Well, I, I think if you have two people who have equal skill, you can have that because you have trap cards and you have, that's the kind of cool thing about Yu-Gi-Oh! is you can have yeah. face down cards and someone might try and execute a huge combo, but you might have the counter to it. You know, it's why they're like, you've activated yeah. my trap card thing. It's such a big deal. <laughs> yeah. um, but I do think that there, a lot of the game comes down to building your deck that way and kind of understanding it which this app has actually let me do for the first time because when I've played in the past, so much of my kind of headspace and like mental capacity is going on just remembering the rules, like mm. remembering what order things happen in and how like you perform the various different summons, what a pendulum is, like all of that. But here, because the, that's kind of taken out of your hands and mm -hmm. the cards just like light up if you can use them, it becomes a much friendlier way of like, okay, I know I can do these four things, and then that will tell me if I can perform an extra action, or there's something in the graveyard I can use, or there's a trap card I can flip. So I'm, you know, there's still a long way to go. Like I say, I get crushed in every online match. But actually, I'm understanding it better than I've ever understood it before. And yeah. I've really got to the point where I'm appreciating the people who are really good at that game 
you know, they are good for a reason because they have built their deck to perform a certain thing. And when it, it works, it is like an incredible, you know, display of like all the pieces coming together, like the Rube Goldberg machine kicking the ball so it falls in the bucket, <laughs> except the bucket is like a 10 star dragon that you <laughs> then buff 12 times and it does like 54,000 damage. Um, I think I think I should probably give it a go because I probably would enjoy it now that you've mentioned the fact that like it gives you a bit of a guide like it's not just like you have to figure this out all on your own it kind of handholds you a little bit so that does intrigue me because I've always been in the same space of like um I could be really into Yu-Gi-Oh if I <laughs> if I really tried um, yeah, I think it was nice. a little bit when I was young I was there's there's the always the risk, Liv. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like what's going to really take me. You have to look after yourself in this kind of climate. I, know. <laughs> I do. I do think it does a good job generally of introducing concepts. Sometimes it can be a little odd with the structure where I think the structure is really bad. Personally. It will introduce some things and then later on it will tell you how they work. Yeah, but oh. <laughs> like the broad strokes, it will kind of run you through. And then there's a there is a bit of trial, a bit of trial and error. But once you get into the solo campaigns, it kind of gives you a deck and the the structure of each chapter is like like a very bit a brief bit of normally like law uh, that I yeah. skip through and go, I don't really care about this. No, um, and then it will be like a practice game, which is kind of like a, hey, learn as you go. We'll give you a couple of pop up, a couple of pop ups. Um, and then you duel for real and kind of, you know, the training wheels are taken off. And then if you get through that, you unlock that deck and so on. Yeah. So there is a there is a structure. It can definitely a point to be like, weirdly like out of sync with how you would want to learn it like mm. some things are introduced in a way that is logical and other things are just like how does this work and then like five <laughs> games down the line it'll be like oh by the way oh, this, yeah, is how this works i i said um i think on a previous or oh, maybe it was on the let's play or something like that but like it, it literally feels like you're being taught by a human who keeps forgetting about things and they're like oh yeah it, crap sorry i forgot to mention uh, like yeah. yes <laughs> but despite that i do think like it is a really good version of that game like i do think that it does a good job um for the most part like i said there are very things like i cover some of this in the article i wrote for the site but i think where it really excels is presentation wise i think it is really really strong like it's a fantastic looking digital card game like it looks mm -hmm. way better than magic arena like the way the battlefields crack as you take damage and you've got little companions at the side and like when you summon the monsters, there's obviously like an animation for each. Like here's a ritual summon. Like here's a pendulum summon. Da da da. Yeah. Like it it comes alive through that. Um, but also the way that it does, like it it gives you a good kind of momentum, even if you are relatively new. You don't have to go and play online. Mm -hmm. um, like the solo stuff actually does a nice job. Once you're once you're past the initial finding your feet which can be a little rocky at times it does a nice job of just handing you stuff along so it doesn't feel like it, like because magic arena you unlock i think the five starter decks you do like a run with each and then it's like okay off into ranked you go like have fun <laughs> yeah. um here it kind of it leads you on a little bit more there's a little bit more of the solo campaign side um and also i will say it's pretty generous with gems and you know it's a free-to-play game you can put real money into it I've not put any real money into it yet, 
but I've always just had packs yeah. to open. And the mm-hmm. pack opening is good. It's a really good pack open. Like, there's like a thump, like a light rips across the screen and cuts the top of the pack off and then just light pours out the top. At this point, like games spend more time fine-tuning mm-hmm. the pack opening than yeah. to anything else. It's like, if it's <laughs> rainbow <laughs> behind it, you know, it's a certain kind of pack. It can um, be gold as well. And like when you flip over the cards, because you can flip them over just by running your mouse over them, the yeah. ones that are shiny, they glow and they wiggle a little longer. So all the kind of like, you know, normal rarity cards flip over fine. And then the more kind of higher rarity ones wiggle for a bit and then flip. So you it's like, what? it's very satisfying. But they, they give you packs all the time. That's the yeah. nice thing. It's like it doesn't, and you can break them down. Unlike Magic Arena, you can break them down so you can then craft cards to build out certain decks. Yeah, I think, isn't it? In, well, it's, it kind of works like that, but a worse version, doesn't it, in Arena, where it's like, if you get a duplicate that you don't have any space for, then it becomes yeah. like a component or something like that. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's a bit, it's not great. Um, yeah. But I, I'm terrified of a future in which the people who make scratch cards team up with the people who make deck oh, opening no. animations and mm. make some kind of app dedicated to just like completely psychologically tormenting humans to spend money. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I think it, it feels like one of the more, because all these digital card games have some kind of micro currency, yeah. like in, in-game mm-hmm. currency, you know, it is, it is ultimately there for them to make money. Like, let's be clear, you know, they're not, yeah. they're not mm-hmm. being generous out of the goodness of their hearts or anything like that. It's a, it's a corporation looking to make money. Um, but I do think Ego has been one of the better ones in terms of like, I don't feel compelled to put any money into it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I haven't actually, we, to be upfront, I was sent a code by Konami for some extra gems. I haven't even managed to put that in yet. I've still opened dozens of packs and got the cards for the decks that I want to make and want to use. And it's felt like every few games I'm unlocking enough gems or getting enough gems to open at least one more pack. So it doesn't feel stingy. It doesn't feel like, you know, the carrot is dangling way out in front and I'm having to play hours and hours to get a single pack of cards. Mm-hmm. It it does feel more kind of like it's easing you into it a little bit. And maybe that's because they then hope you'll get into Yu-Gi-Oh! for real yeah. and you'll go out and spend four quid a pack on actual cards. You know, I, that's, yeah, again, I think they're also, after money. It's also worth noting that they obviously know that things like Arena are their biggest like competitors mm. right now. So mm. straight out the gate, I don't know if that is a useful... Uh, comparison like when yeah. let's let's leave it like a year or so when they've yeah like a confirmed audience and then see how generous they are do you know what i mean like it's yeah yeah sometimes it's like are you doing this just because you just launched and you're trying to build up the hype or is this actually you're gonna be your model sort of thing true yeah yeah but yeah. yeah yeah but in terms of early impressions like i say there are there are definitely parts that need like some work like the deck the deck catalog in concept is good because you've got a database of different decks made by people, but those decks, when you view them, are really hard to sort through. You can mm. kind of search by tags or keywords, but if, for instance, you're looking for a particular deck, they like people can't give them names or can't give them descriptions. Mm. So, I mean, maybe maybe people who are into Yu-Gi-Oh in a big way don't need that. But mm. for me, looking at a wall of decks, it was mm. like, uh which one of these do i pick you know like i would like a pre-made deck that seems like a good thing to have but i have no idea how to differentiate between these hundreds of decks yeah um so i think there could be some better work there catalon thanks thanks for that (laughs) 
Right, we're, can't just, we're just recording the podcast. Don't worry about Let it. Let her have a cup of <laughs> You're not even having a cup of tea. You're just boiling <laughs> nylon string. Let have a cup of nylon. Let have a cup of nylon. So... What was I about to say? Um, yeah, no, sorry. With deck building, I, I tend to find that, like, I don't really like... I don't know if it's just me, but I don't really like using other people's decks because then it feels like half the game is kind of gone, you know? Mm. Um, I like sort of... One thing I did in Arena a lot... I haven't played Arena in literally, like, half a year, but one thing I did a lot in Arena was, like, I would play against people, and if I liked what they did, I would sort of work out... Like, I built an mm. Angel deck like that where it's like, I can see what you're doing... But mm. I'm just gonna try and figure that out myself, rather than because the fun is like fine tuning it and like finding the perfect formula sort of thing. Yeah, I think I'm coming at that from the other side, where it's like I want to use a deck that someone else has built and then customize it to yeah. fit. Yeah. Like, but for instance, I played against my friend. He just searched for the word Salaman Great, which is a particular type of card. Put every card that had that word in it into a deck. Crushed me every time. I cannot <laughs> beat that deck. And again, I think that's it's kind of one of the nice things about Yu-Gi-Oh as a card game is that you don't have to think about your mana ramp. You don't have to think about. You can just pick a load of cards that have the same keyword in, yeah, because they will roughly go together. They kind mm. of work by themselves, but they also work together. You don't have to think in massive like, oh, like do I need like five lands of this kind mm. versus like 10 yeah, of another I you can just that's... be like you know what these monsters look cool and they work together done i think that's i think with Yu-Gi-Oh, they go like and i think this is why they have such a ridiculous um sort of image where it's like what like it, you know like literally as i played it i was like i don't understand what the hell is going on because instead of like fine-tuning the balance of everything where like everything in magic like they they tear things out every other week and like things get like fine-tuned to the amount of land cost and there's like eight different exceptions to everything that they say to make sure it's not too strong whereas with Yu-Gi-Oh they're just like we'll make everything stupidly powerful to the point where like nothing is too powerful because it's all too powerful do you know what I mean yeah, like it's there is a forbidden restricted list to be no clear. no there no is, I'm sure there is because there, but... there will be there will be cards that literally break the game which you mm -hmm. do have to take out but I think on like a sort of minutia level, like they don't worry too much about like from an outside perspective, they don't seem to worry too much about like exact like balance details. Yeah, it's more just agree, about yeah. like let's just make everything powerful, and then you know it's just what brand of powerful you want to be. You know, which yeah. I think is I what mean, leads into that idea that you can just pick a card that you know is good and just build a deck around it by searching keywords. You know. Yeah, I mean there is there's literally a set of five cards where if you hold all five of them in your hand, you just win. Yeah. Like, yeah, you, right. could, you could feasibly draw those on your first turn. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what your opponent has. I've you seen win. it happen to one of my Twitter mutuals. It happens it just... in the first episode of the Yu-Gi-Oh! anime as well, <laughs> uh, which I okay. found myself watching. So I guess they've got their heads oh, up. Of course. Yeah. You're, you're in that. <laughs> uh, the voice acting has aged poorly. Uh, <laughs> I suspect that even at the time it was not great. But mm. uh, yes, it's very yeah. like early noughties anime dubbing. Uh, but yeah, that's that's me playing Yu-Gi-Oh. I plan to play more Yu-Gi-Oh. I'm enjoying it. Uh, and that mobile version will come out at some point, and I'll yeah. probably play more of it then. Uh, other than that, I've not played anything else. That's me. I've mm -hmm. watched I've watched Too Hot to Handle, and I played Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, that sounds like a great time. A caricature yeah. of myself. Uh, <laughs> Wills. Oh my god, do I, get to do I get to What else? Okay, all right. Uh, I went to Dice Saloon recently. Uh, the Brighton Zone. Brighton Board Game Cafe. Uh, slash shop um which we we're big fans of on the channel um yeah. lovely shop it's in like a sort of um 
converted old church. It's a Ooh, really it cool building. It is an amazing building. Yeah, it's um, really cool. And I was with some friends. So we were playing like some, some really like sort of light party games. Uh, and I played just one for the first time, which I know Ooh, we've spoken about. You never played it before. I've never played it. Before. I was sure we played it on the channel, huh? I don't think so. I think maybe, maybe it was, we like, played added it to a list of games we could have played on a party game stream or something. You know, maybe I, I played it with like Lolies and me and at some maybe, point yeah. elsewhere, but it might have been like a you've never played or something. Or... Maybe, yeah. Because yeah. um, it won, it won the Spiel des Jahres like a few geez. years ago, I think. And at the time, I was quite like, oh yeah, like, blah, blah. like it doesn't seem like much of a game. <laughs> and I still don't think it's. I don't think it's, it's revolutionary. Maybe worthy of winning that award, but yeah, uh, it, I, I, I've warmed to it considerably. I think, since. I think it's a fun puzzle to have with yeah. friends. You know, like we yeah. we played quite a bit of it, and like. I don't think we even bothered with the scoring. We were just playing it because it was fun. Um, it's it's one of those. It's like yeah. like those kinds of games where at some point, like Love Letter, it does. You just stop yeah, counting. Exactly, it's like yeah. yeah, I'm just here for like the conversation around yeah, this. Yeah, and that's why I really appreciated about it. Um, and I also think that the like like I said, like the puzzle of trying to find a word that you don't think anyone else would guess, whilst also trying to make something that is actually a good clue. Uh, for for those who aren't aware, like it's a really simple game. Um, somebody puts a card in front of them and picks a number, uh, and that number will correspond to a word that they have to guess with your clues. It's a co-op game. Um, you're all trying to guess, like based on the uh, like. I think the number is tenuously linked to the difficulty of the word, but yeah. I, I don't. I don't really think some of the words are very like well balanced on the numbers, mm -hmm. but whatever. Um, so I will then have like a little whiteboard in front of me, and so on everyone else. And I'll write down a one-word clue, uh, much like you know, code names or something like that, where they have to read that, and it'll give them a clue as to what they've got. And because we're all combining, you know, you've got say the word was casino, someone might write might might write blackjack or slots or um, poker or whatever. And when you turn them all round, you're like, oh, okay, cool, casino. But the gimmick is, if anyone ever, and that includes more than two people as well, if anyone ever writes the same clue as someone else. Mm. Both of those, or all three of those, or all four of those, or whatever it may, tends to be, gets wiped out from the clues that the person actually sees. So you uh, have to yeah. think of something niche so mm. that you're not like doubling up, but also it needs to still actually be useful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's really. I think it's genuinely. I had a really good time with it. I was like, when I walked in, as the person who plays board games in my friend group, I saw they were playing just one, and I was like. <laughs> you know and then we played like, fun you know and we played it for like an hour and a half i think like we were like yeah it's good uh mm. we also played her mentality which i think is in that very very similar level of game where it's just sort of like mm. it sparks some fun debates and you know all that kind of stuff and the points don't really matter all that much nobody cares yeah. who wins um but apart from that me and Liv and me and on tuesday recorded mm -hmm. a let's play of an rpg called paradox perfect uh mm -hmm. which is a comedy time travel slash yeah. mad libs rpg uh which is an absolute whale of a time uh, super fun and we played it with a very very talented gm in jeremy cobb from three black halflings mm -hmm. um which was like a sort of crossover episode that is going yeah. up both parts we've done two episodes the first episode is us creating the world and our characters through like a mad libs thing where it's like we're each um giving you know like adjectives and verbs and stuff and then it gets read out like based on the structure we pick so we speak we pick space opera in this case and it was like 
the United Space Forces of Ohio are spreading <laughs> communism throughout the galaxy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, there are several monks, several loving monks sealed away. And... <laughs> uh, kicking was a thing, uh, which you'll yeah. see more of as, as that comes out. But then we then use, this is the really fun thing, you then use those same adjectives and verbs to create your characters with, and you can't double up with other people. So like kicking was one of them. So I based my entire character around the verb to kick uh, yeah. and create someone <laughs> called Kicking Keith. Kicking Keith. Um, and then and i was like that's fun you know like that's mm -hmm. a cool synergy but then i wasn't prepared for how like far that goes and it's a really clever design because as mm. you then start playing uh your job in like the paradox perfect squad is to go back in time and fix people meddling with the space-time continuum so like mm. you know somebody goes back in time i think one of the artwork examples is like they stop the assassination of like uh jfk or or like abraham lincoln or oh, something abraham like that, right? yeah abraham yeah. lincoln was the one i think um mm. and then it's uh you know like it's messing up the future time so mm -hmm. you do something called a chaos roll where you roll on a d12 i don't know why it's a d12 but there it is um and if it goes wrong then the verb that you picked for your mad libs gets changed by the gm Mm -hmm. so it's i think in our case everyone was a pastafarian that was like the religion that was like going around as like the most popular mm -hmm. thing uh and it got swapped to like tetris or something like that so everyone was yeah. like worshipping <laughs> tetris blocks um and i'll try not to spoil too much of it mm -hmm. but the really fun thing and this is the final way in which it works is because those adjectives are also part of your character if you fail on a chaos roll it changes your character as well because you're yeah. you're part of the future right so um mm -hmm. unless you manage to like succeed in the role in which case you're the only one who realizes that things are different then like you were a devout pastafarian but now you're a tetris block worshiper you know it's like it's <laughs> <laughs> oh, really cool um, it is really good the way the tetris thing comes to light is also very good <laughs> oh it's just it's also just like a great action play session because jeremy's a fantastic gm jeremy's it, so it good. was just it was just <laughs> so much fun like i think it was probably one of the one of my favorite ones we've done on the channel yeah. um and like i don't like but like i don't think that was all just because jeremy's a good at gm like i think it's a cool game like it's it's a really mm -hmm. interesting design it's super light um you literally the idea is that there's no prep like you just turn up you make your stuff and you just see what happens yeah um but it's also just like <sighs> there's just something about the way that the like I, I've never created a character out of words before, if that makes sense. Mm. Like I've got like concepts and stats and classes and all that kind of stuff, but just like create a character around uh, mug. <laughs> like what's yeah. a mug character? You know, like go from there and then have to work that out because you're also picking like um, you assign them to past, present, and future as well, which is really fun. So kicking was my past because like I used to be a kick master. Uh, but now <laughs> now I've like tried to change my ways and become less violent and all that kind of stuff. It's really mm -hmm. good. It's really good. Liv, you seem like you were having a great time as well. I had a great time. Yeah, no, I um I was very intrigued by this um because um uh Jeremy is from Three Black Halflings and they played that recently on the podcast with Nadpod, not another D&D podcast, and um there was something about like too many kevin costners or stuff like yeah. that <laughs> yeah it's called crisis on infinite costers costners is what they put together and i was like how did this happen <laughs> but now we've played it i completely understand <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i understand the paradox um mm. but um 
but yeah, no, it, it was it was super fun to do. I think, yeah, like I think when Jeremy was introducing it, he was just like, this game thrives on chaos. So yeah, be no, as chaotic. Literally, possible. the whole point is just like make yeah. things go weird. Like just yeah, go, definitely. just get weird. Sounds like the game for this team. Is that uh, exactly I'm looking forward to watching this. Like it sounds fantastic. Yeah. Uh, like since since you all played it, you you know just been kind of like glowing with praise about it yeah, no, it's yeah. Um, so i'm yeah i'm really looking forward to watching this myself because it's fun to watch stuff on the channel that i haven't seen mm. yeah and you can see it you can check it out on saturday at 5 p.m gmt uh the first part where we make all our characters and you can also check out the second part where we actually play the session um sunday at 5 p.m yeah i will GMT. say obviously this is like a really truncated version of a session because yes. we only have so much time in the day to record these episodes so like your sessions may vary, but <laughs> ours <laughs> was very quickly resolved. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I love the way it's resolved. <laughs> we like it was. Uh, we spot we spotted our objective, and it was like okay, mm. it was very good. <laughs> it's just like it, the, one of the things you can do is you help people out, uh, and you can you basically you can add your traits to your dice rolls. Mm -hmm. um, so, like obviously, if I was kicking someone, I would add the kick trait. Uh, mm -hmm. but you also because you have all these other traits and they're all a little bit weird and abstract yeah. it's just really fun like playing this game with the gm where it's like well i've got the trait loving here and i do love to kick <laughs> <laughs> it's just like you know when you talk to someone you're like oh can i use uh my strength stat to pick the pocket and it's just like what does that even mean but yeah. like, because they're so vague, it's just sort of like, what about this? <laughs> okay, I'll see yeah. what you're going with. That's yeah. And it's like, it's not it's not designed to be like a, a rules-tight, tactical mm. scenario system. Yeah. So, and yeah. also, our playthrough uh, was <laughs> thriving on mishearing things, which was very good. Mm. Like, for example, um, Wheels, you were a kick master in yes. your discussion of your character but then jeremy misheard you as kick monster <laughs> the <laughs> thing i've ever heard what, like, what i liked about which has nothing to do with the game but what i liked is the fact that whenever someone did mishear something it was like okay cool that's canon now <laughs> yeah like my character's name it was not supposed she was not supposed to be this person but then <laughs> she became that yeah, person yeah. i think yeah. we'll, we'll leave that one for the let's play yes uh, because yeah. otherwise we'll, we'll spoil too much but yeah it yeah. is fantastic um, last thing I've been playing uh, a lot of is uh, Mini Motorways, which is a video game, uh, but it feels very, very board gaming. Um, it is a sequel to Mini Metro, which is like an abstract train game, Matt Jarvis. You know what? I played it. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get into it that Didn't much. get into it. Well, <laughs> now here's the thing. Just, it was like, this is fine, but I, did, I thing, didn't stick with me. I liked Mini Metro. I thought it was very pretty and very satisfying, but I got bored of it very quickly. And That's, that was yeah. my experience. So, okay. You, I was like, my yeah, interest. okay, cool. Mini Motorways, which is the sequel, it's obviously about cars, um, is fantastic. It is like, it takes the core principles of um, like the way in which the uh, travel works, which is like this simple thing of here is a person here, they need to get to this point, And if they don't get there soon enough, then it builds up, and if something ever overspills, then you lose. How long can you go as the routes get more complicated and all that kind of stuff? But the thing with Mini Metro is the fact that, like, you can only do, like, straight line routes. So it's like, okay, well, you know, I'll go through these stations like this. Because they're trains, they are just like, th that'll do that, that'll do that. I'll make, like, a circle line here, and then we'll hope for the best. Um, and then the the passengers will, like, get off at one train and get off, you know, like, using the tube or the subway or whatever. Hmm. Um with mini motorways, instead of it just being like connect the dots, 
you have like a full tile-based road system where you draw Ooh. out all of the traffic routes and stuff and you can drop down roundabouts and hello rosie rosie's screaming at me now you can drop down <laughs> roundabouts and traffic lights and motorways and and like all kinds of stuff to are you hearing this? <laughs> Vaguely. Hello. Why are you screeching? She okay? Every now and again, she'll just come and shout at me for no reason. <laughs> While you're tending to Rosie, I will just say <laughs> that <laughs> James with a B has been a Dicebreaker Plus VIP for seven months oh now. Oh my goodness. Hey, thank That's you. So much. Thank you, James with a B. Um, uh, they also say, hi all. Can't stay for long. Just dropping in between meetings to say you all freaking rock. You rock, James with a B. Yeah, you rock. Yeah. And thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I just want to say hello to our special guest, Rosie, who is feeding uh, yeah, <laughs> in her opinions on mini motorways. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's like there's way more control in mini motorways. So like you can actually, and because because they're cars, because they're not people who are just like teleporting onto things, like because mm. they are actually cars, like they actually get congested. So you can see like where the routes aren't working and like what you have to like fold around and stuff. And it's just really cool. And then they... It has like rivers that you like need. Sounds like a squeaky seesaw. She is kind of a squeaky seesaw, yeah. Okay, cool. They had like rivers that you need to build bridges over and mountains that you need to build tunnels through and all that kind of stuff. And it's it's really, really good. Um, <laughs> what is wrong with her? Rosie, come here. I think she's trying to find Toto. Aww. She She's obsessed with Toto. <laughs> oh, bless. Is oh, it a bedroom, Rosie? Everyone is really agreeing with Rosie's points, by the way. <laughs> Everyone in the chat is thoroughly engaged. Hello, Rosie. Hi, Rosie. Meow. Rosie is absolutely right. Thank you, chat. Uh, yeah, should we, should we move on to the news? We've been talking Let's about Let's move games on to some like news. An hour. News. <laughs> hey, that's what we do. We talk about games. Hell yeah, we have. Uh, yeah, we've got, we've got a few short news bits to blast through. It's not been a super news-heavy week, uh, mm -hmm. but there's some interesting stuff coming up and out. Uh, mostly to do with tabletop RPGs. Um, so I wasn't on the podcast last week, but I believe you spoke about the Dark Souls RPG, so we're not going to belabor this particular news story. Uh, but it was kind of interesting. So last week they announced it would be built on the 5e engine, so that's D&D &D 5e. Mm -hmm. um, and this week, Steamforge, which is the publisher that obviously made Dark Souls the board game as well, uh, they have come out and detailed just some of the changes that they will be making to the D&D &D 5e system, which, which is interesting. Yeah, because We yeah. speculated that maybe that article wasn't necessarily planned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's quite short and it's quite, the, the phrasing of it is like, hey, hey, don't worry, we're making some changes so that this isn't just D&D &D 5e. Because uh, um, yeah, the, the response to, hey, it's D&D &D 5e was, as you might expect from the internet, uh largely negative let's say mixed let's diplomatically mm -hmm. say mixed um but yeah people weren't super excited about the idea of uh yet another licensed rpg just being D, &D yeah. uh with a different skin uh which yeah. unfortunately has become kind of a trend over the last few years um so steamforged have kind of said hey we're making some changes it's built on the framework of D, &D but they they basically said we tore it apart and then kind of put it back together with new bits mm. in there so take that as what you will. We haven't played it, obviously. We're kind of going by mm. what they say. Um, the we kind of biggest that. changes that they've mentioned are they've in, they're introducing poise, um, or they think they're calling it position. So it's like stamina and poise, uh, which are key parts of the Dark Souls video games, rolled into one thing, which is kind of like 
it sounds like it functions a little bit like inspiration, but as like a it's like a finite resource that you can well, use no, to buff rolls at points. It's or... also your health. Yes, yeah. It's like it's literally just it's your health and your stamina. So it's like you can use them like you'll and your mana as well. Like you'll use it to cast spells. Yeah. You'll use it to um, improve your like rolls, like you said, Matt. And like it's also your health. So like if you use too much of it, then you'll die. So I think they're probably getting that from like stress mechanics, from things like Blaze in the Dark and and um, other games that you stress that for some reason my yeah, head is like drawing a blank. Yeah, the Alien RPG yeah. had like Alien a terror one, I think, yeah. that was similar. Mm-hmm. Where it's like it worked like adrenaline, so you could use more, but there was yeah. more of a risk associated it's, as things got. It's like a resource that it's dangerous to have too little. Yeah, about. which is it's an interesting idea. Like yeah. I don't don't hate that idea. Yeah. Um, the other things they mentioned are around magic. So magic is going to be more kind of akin to Dark Souls, uh, in that you will um, uh, like attune to certain magic. Uh, well, and I then think they're getting rid of like it. spell slots and stuff. So yeah. It's basically, like. I'm not sure why they're doing this. <laughs> but, you know. This is, yeah, this is kind of part of the question. Is like, it sounds like they're making some, and they've mentioned death and rebirth, which obviously another big part of D&D, yeah. uh, D&D another big part of Dark Souls is mm. you die, you lose your soul. So that is in there, apparently. If you die, your souls, so your XP, experience points, basically, yeah. you will lose. But they haven't really gone into a lot of detail about what that actually means mechanically. Like, are you going to, be able to get that back like are you expected to run through the same areas again they've just kind of said don't worry it's in there like yeah the dark souls thing we're doing that Mm. um that's that's one of the things that worries me about a dark souls rpg as a concept oh rosie uh just like the idea that like i don't think people will find it fun to trade through the same things because it's not like a video game where you just kind of like you're challenging yourself you know you're, Mm -hmm. you're sat alone you're just doing it as like a it's like, oh, I almost got there that time. It's, you know, it's like the DM is the DM just sort of sat there describing the same events to you and seeing yeah. how far you get. Like, it's yeah, weird. I mean, so it's worth saying that uh, we actually put together a list this week on the website of RPGs that aren't D and D based but are dark, like inspired by Dark Souls. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. they're not official Dark Souls RPGs, um, and there's a really interesting one in there. There are they're all great, like interesting games, but there's one in there called Dice Souls by Chris Pizzette. Um, mm. of the wretched and that has a really interesting replay mechanic in that when you face an enemy you if you die when you face it again you basically have a, a replay mark checked next to the name of that enemy so if you ever mm. encounter that type of enemy again you basically get extra dice to help you overcome mm. so there is a benefit to you're not necessarily walking the exact same like place again, but you're building up experience with each type better. of enemy, which is like a really cool way, I think, of getting some of that Dark Souls feel in there as well. Mm. Um, it also has like a similar boss mechanic where the way you react to bosses have like a set list of actions and set responses. And if the player dies, they then learn one so that when they come up against it again, they have like acquired some knowledge in the same yeah. way as Dark Souls. But this doesn't seem to be taking that route Again, we don't know the exact specifics, but it sounds more like a kind of more, I guess, conventional approach to, you know, tweaking around. But I guess, yeah, at, at some point the question is, why is it D&D 5e then? Like, they're, they're keeping combat similar, I guess, and, you know, the the broad framework is D&D 5e from the sounds of it. Are there a lot of different spells in Dark Souls? Or Yes, yeah, so... Yeah. 
okay. I guess it depends on whether they're drawing from all of the Dark Souls games or whether this will just be Dark Souls 1, because um, they're kind of tangentially linked in some ways, like there are recurring characters and kind of echoes of characters in the later games. Um, but yeah, like there are, you know, there's Pyromancy. Pyromancy is its own kind of spell system. Um, so there are different types of spells, but also different spells within each thing. Um, so yeah, it will be interesting to see what they do mm. in that respect. Um, yeah, I'm 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 intrigued. I think yeah. more than anything else, and just I'm just curious as to how they go about this. Like as the D and D advocate of the show, um, uh, like I think uh, me and Wheels were like, "What do you think? Live, say something positive." <laughs> um, Quick, balance <laughs> us, <laughs> please. Um, and I was, my main thought was kind of like, it doesn't seem like uh, 5e would be the right, you know, um, rule set for this to be uh, developed in. Uh, but if they do something really different with it, then I'd be into it. Now that they have said we're doing something really different with it, it is very much like, why aren't you just making your own thing? Yeah, I don't I don't think it's an argument about whether or not 5e is a good system. It's whether yeah. or not it's suitable and it, it just doesn't seem to be. And it's, yeah. Yeah, there are pl- yeah like as much as, as, much as uh, you know, some of us can be less positive about D the system itself is great for certain things like it is a really good system for you know crunchy tactical combat like there are things in it like there's a reason it's popular right you for know example not... if if someone told me they were making a diablo rpg out of 5e i'd be like okay sure right that yeah. makes sense you know dungeon crawls, yeah, yeah action rpg with xp and like crawling through dungeons and leveling up your character and gaining new skills makes perfect sense got it understood you know but with dark souls it's like there are elements from that like you've got the xp you've got the leveling up and stuff you've got the getting new equipment and spells and things but it's that's not what dark souls is about and it's like Mm. i don't think that's what people are looking for like or at least that's not what i would look Mm. for in a dark souls rpg but yeah Yeah. um I just want to point out what Baddie Wrongleg said in the chat. You don't have to dislike mushrooms. Very good name. You don't have to dislike mushrooms or cake to see mushroom cake on the menu and know you don't want it. Yeah, Yeah. very well. I think that is often the thing with D&D. It's like D&D as a game by itself, you know, you can like it, you could not like it, that's fine, Um, like as a system. But like was just saying, it's like it, it works well for certain things and sometimes like putting a square peg into a round hole, like... Mm. it just feels a bit like it, it feels like a cynical marketing exercise yeah. of like D is very popular so mm-hmm. is this a way of getting people on board in terms of like oh well i like D, so i can pick this up because the the idea of learning a whole new system feels a lot more intimidating mm-hmm. but th- that is a very cynical take like you know there are many many good designers that work on 5e based games yeah. that are putting in fantastic work like coming up with original systems like it's worth saying but yeah it's sometimes it's just a bit deflating to think like again like our list of dark souls inspired rpgs there are so many cool ideas that indie designers have taken yeah. from dark souls made them you know tabletop appropriate and so the idea of them just being like well we're going to take something that already exists and kind of like shave some corners off stick some bits on here and there it's like it just feels like if you're gonna do it you know go for it kind of thing i'm very sorry for the amount of noise in my background by the way. <laughs> and ironically i'm the only one not recording my audio through google meet so there's no cut out it's just pure <laughs> all audio uh but zoe's doing her best uh, to to try, yeah to try and fix the solution i think she needs the loo and the, the little bit dirty um but the thing i was going to say was and this is kind of 
a problem that I spoke about on the last podcast we talked about this with like Steam Forged in general is that I think the reason a lot of these IP games don't work very well and aren't very interesting um, when they're made by like studios licensing out their games to other studios is that the games weren't created because the designer really likes that game and saw something about it they liked and they wanted to you know be inspired by it or turn it into something based on that instead it was you need to make something about this and you've got a budget and a time limit can you get it done and mm-hmm. i think steamforged are very good at getting it done i don't know if they really excite me when it comes to the ideas that they present you know and it's just like if you want like a fairly accurate translation of a game into a tabletop game it's like yeah they'll do that is it going to be the best thing you've ever played probably not and i don't want to sound like mean or anything but i think it's just the the way in which that sort of business model they're currently in works is not really set up to create like groundbreaking things it's like it's very it's almost like a factory line right it's like you know we've got this amount of time and resource to devote to making this into a tabletop system let's do that let's get it out let's use the game assets and let's let's move on to the next one and it's just like I'm not. I'm. I'm feeling a little bit deflated looking at all the stuff they're putting out and just thinking, okay, sure, you know, here's mm. the is the Resident Evil One game, Resident Evil Two game, here's Monster Hunter, here's Dark Souls, here's X, here's Y. It's just like, all right, come on, you know. And it's just like, yeah, it's get it's getting a bit tiring personally, but we will see. As we keep saying, yeah, we will we'll, see. We'll see. And yeah, to you know, I thought I thought the Monster Hunter game was actually really good because I it thought did that feel was like one of the ones that did, yeah, it did best Whereas out of them. Dark yeah. Souls. It, the Dark Souls board game I did not enjoy at all. Yeah. Despite the fact that there were really good ideas in there, like there were some really promising ideas, but then mm. when it tried to bulk out into a full experience, it kind of then fell apart. And some of that did feel like, oh, it has to have this because it's like a video game board game. People will expect yeah, this. Yeah, and it's also it's like, it's also uh, got that's, the, that's a shame. The, the Kickstarter curse as well, where it's like, we have to have all the content to make all the stretch goals, you know? Yeah, yeah but, but we'll see. Like, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do with it, particularly because um, as some folks have pointed out in the chat, uh, I didn't mention this up front, a Dark Souls RPG exists, like an official one that was released in Japan. So there is a question mm-hmm. of like, why not localize that? Like, yeah. I don't know what system that runs on. I don't believe it's D&D 5D, but it clearly exists. So, yeah, I, at I some point, if... would it have just been easier to localize rather than build like another, even if it's built on D and D? I wonder if maybe they just look at them as different markets. The one, <laughs> sorry, we're getting the litter out now. <laughs> I, I wonder if they just look at them as like different markets that want different things. Um, maybe because it. Well, I mean, like you know, look at the video we did on D and D that j- it just doesn't have the same impact in Japan as, yeah. as things mm-hmm. like Call of Cthulhu do and stuff like that. Um, but also, it depends if this game was. Like, was the original Dark Souls Japanese RPG put together via the actual studio or was it put together via the publisher? And I think in this case, it might be more of a publisher thing where it's like, you know, Bandai Namco or whoever the hell owns it now. We're like, we want to do this for a Western audience rather than, hey, we're a tabletop studio. You make Dark Souls. Can we make a game, you know, like with the original designers with, um, I keep forgetting their name, sorry, uh, the Dark Souls designers. From from software. From software, thank you. Yeah, where it's just like they've actually gone straight to them sort of thing. Because I think if it's yeah. a Japanese tabletop company and a Japanese designer, it's a bit more of a one-to-one connection. But yeah. yeah. Tell you what would have been cool. Get an indie designer that's already made a Dark Souls-inspired RPG, take those mechanics, put them together, yeah. reward yeah. indie designers, let them step up to the mainstream. But yeah. hey, you know. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on from Dark Souls onto 
uh, another RPG one that I just wanted to quickly mention um, a while back. It must have been last year. Uh, we spoke about Inspirials. Inspirials? Uh, I think that's which, right, yeah. Yeah, which was an RPG um, from Rich Oxenham uh, that is designed around teaching sign language. So ASL, BSL, yeah. uh, American Sign Language, British Sign Language. Um, and it was uh, kind of like a fantasy RPG, like relatively familiar setting. Uh, you play as, I think, descendants of Arthur and Guinevere, um, known as Pendragons. But the, the cool thing about it was that the magic casting system was built around using actual sign language gestures. Um, and they've announced a sequel, uh, which I think is on Kickstarter now, or it's coming to Kickstarter, called Overiles. And this one sounds even cooler because mm. it's basically taking that signing system. Um, I can't remember what they call it. Uh, they have a specific name for uh, like using the gestures. But they apply it to now a setting that's kind of in the clouds that reminded me of the Zelda game Skyward Sword, which mm. isn't a great Zelda game, but has a fantastic setting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they are introducing a new kind of mechanic that they, compared to horse whispering, but using sign language gestures to communicate with giant magical birds that you yeah, can fly yeah. around in the skies. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it seems very cool. And they have said that it will follow on from in Inspirials. So if you've played Inspirials, this will teach you more sign language. So it's designed to mm. just, you know, teach you the same phrases or gestures. Um, <laughs> but it is built around the same system in the, as you play, you will learn actual like ASL and BSL. Um, and they're working with uh, like deaf consultants and uh, other members of the deaf community to have um, like video tutorials and to have other materials um, to teach folks. And I think it's it just continues to be such a cool idea. Um, I really want to give it a go. Uh, I haven't actually played it myself, but I've read through Inspirials um, and I've read quite a lot about Overiles at this point. And it just seems like it's really well executed. It's really well thought out. Um, mm. It's just a good idea to begin with, but the way that they're blending together using real sign language and role playing uh, is just fantastic. Like, I, I don't know of another game like it. I've never heard of another game that teaches you sign language in this way mm. um so i'm just like super chuffed it exists and yeah i i hope they do more with that system and mm. that kind of world because mm -hmm. it's just a cool thing to see i yeah. it's, honestly it's one of my favorite things when rpgs are based around something like unique like that like instead of just like i've made an rpg system therefore i need you know dice paper etc like mm. i love it when people are like well i want to make an rpg system out of like a tarot deck or like with a Ouija board or, you know, like mm. I want, I want to use something really specific. So, mm. so using that sort of framework, but then also like a real world skill that you can learn that is actually helpful for people is, is even more amazing. You know, it's like a, it's like a double whammy. It's great. Yeah. That's uh, really cool. Uh, and to finish off our run of RPG news, I'm just going to give another quick shout out for Zine Month, which I think has kicked off now um, in yeah, places that aren't Kickstarter. Uh, so Chase mm. put together, on the site, a roundup of some of the RPGs that are funding or crowdfunding for Zine Month. Um, I wrote a story today about another one that's inspired by Taskmaster, which sounds great. Mm -hmm. uh, it's basically like you can add Taskmaster style trials to like D and D or whatever fancy game if you're choosing. Um, it's called the Court of Exile, uh, Court of a K. But there are just like a lot of really cool zines, like RPG zines and other game zines out there uh, that you should go and check out. 
Um, if you just search for Zine Month 2022, you'll find them. But like I say, Chase has also put together a roundup of nine or so uh, on our own website. So yeah, go check them out and support creators. Um, I've got a couple of people in the chat who are saying, which one of you has that annoying beep feeding into the audio? That's not a beep. That is my cat. I'm sorry. She's, <laughs> she I is wondered if it was absolute him. Absolute wild one. We don't know why. Zoe is doing everything in her power to stop her from screaming. Uh, we have changed her litter. <laughs> we have tried to find her Toto. We just don't know what's wrong with her. Um, oh, but yeah, a little annoying beep. Sorry, not much you can do about it. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. All right. Let's move on uh, via a tangent of news onto this this week's segment. So this week, uh, they announced that a new edition of Suro is coming out. Um, if you're not familiar with Suro, it originally came out in like 2005, I think, um, quite a while ago. Um, and it is, I guess the best way of describing it is it's kind of like Snake if it was a multiplayer board game. Mm-hmm. So you place tiles and the tiles have lines that create paths. And you move, as you place each one in front of your marker, which is like a stone, it moves along the path. And the idea is to basically just outlast all of the other players. So if you connect one that connects to you, but also them, you both move. Uh, But if you hit the edge of the board, you're eliminated. And if you hit another player's piece, you are both eliminated. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like Snake. and it came out, like I say, it came out in like 2005. It's been around for a while. I think there's like a VR version that Wheels you played on the channel a while ago. Um, it's relatively straightforward. The components are relatively simple. It's cardboard tiles, like small little markers with dragons on, mm. um, and a tile with a dragon if you exhaust the stack, stuff like that. I looked it up this week because I was writing the story. It costs about 20 quid to go and pick up. Yep. They are releasing a luxury limited edition that costs $350. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> it is the most kind of over-the-top luxury edition I've seen in a long time. Uh, it swaps. So instead of a rule booklet, you get a bamboo scroll with the rules on. Mm. The cardboard tiles are now like stone engraved tiles. Instead of the dragon tile, there is a gold statuette. Um, and there are individual models for each, like metal pawns, instead of like the little identical stones that you had before. I will it say... is unbelievably over the top it but like in comparison to the ticket to ride super luxury edition or whatever which looks like absolute crap <laughs> <laughs> like at least the Suro one does look like pretty bougie do you know what i mean it, mm-hmm. it, i mean yeah but it's also like almost three times the price bear in yeah. mind like every everything Ooh. you know in uh in comparison but yeah, so so as part of this, so they're releasing this. Um, I don't think they've given a release date yet. They've said it; they'll do one run and that's it. So it's not like it's going, you know, don't expect to see this down your local board game shop. Um, it comes in like a wooden box as well. Like yeah. it, is, it is so kind of amped up in terms of like opulence and extravagance. I want it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, they're sending us one. Um, <laughs> I want it. <laughs> uh, no, not that I know of. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so as part of this, I wanted to generally like ask an open open question to folks in the chat and to us here chatting. Like, what's the most you ever spent on a board game? Was it worth it? But also, if you could take a board game and just amp it up, you know, let's let's give you a budget of three hundred fifty dollars. Oh, you know. budget! I don't think we should have a budget. I know. I think we okay, okay. The, the sky, the sky's the limit. <laughs> um, but I also asked this on Twitter um, as part of kind of plugging this podcast 
And we had some really uh, interesting responses in terms of what people had spent on board games. So mm-hmm. we had people say they spent like 120 um, edition, uh, 120 quid for like a special edition of the Fallout RPG, mm-hmm. 180 to 200 quid on Rising Sun, uh, Twilight Imperium for 100 quid. That's just how much that game costs. Yeah. Um, I was about to say a lot of those uh, are like Kickstarter add-ons, but that yeah. Yeah, someone also mentioned they'd like... spent over nine hundred pounds on X-wing miniatures. Oh my god! Uh, so there's there's you know like people people can spend a lot of money on games. Like that doesn't necessarily just mean a game by itself either. Like there are obviously expansions and packs and all sorts of stuff. Mm. So yeah, first question for us here, and if you're in the yeah. chat as well, let us know. But like, what's the most you've ever spent on a game? Uh, and after that, we'll, we'll quickly come up with our pitches for amped up luxury versions of games. Speaking mm-hmm. of pitches, uh, apparently it wasn't Rosie that was making the noise. There was a bit of feedback on my mic, which I've it seems like I've fixed now. So sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> also, sorry. Blame, blame it on the cat. <laughs> Rosie has been slandered. Uh, She's, she's already sent me someone to sing for libel. Yeah, she's not um, an annoying, annoying beep. She's not. <laughs> I so look. I went last on the game, so I'm going to go first here. I have an idea for okay. this. <laughs> I think, and this is, I'm going to go slightly out of the box already here, but this is a board game that would be turned into an immersive experience that could be rented at like, you know, like you know, like we did the um the like AR cart. Thing the live and loads hmm. went to chaos. Yeah, chaos Cuts, yeah. It's that kind of vibe where it's like you go to a building, like an escape room. You go to a building and then you go there for like a day, and it's like an amazing experience. And then you go home, but you are playing a board game, and that board game is Twilight Imperium. It is a full <laughs> immersive sim Twilight Imperium where like the rules are the same, but everything is treated as if it's real. So like you choose your fantasy race or whatever. And then they give you a like an appropriate outfit or like accessories cool. and stuff that you could wear. And then like as well as being in a room that has like refreshments and stuff available, so obviously you know, and, and a toilet, so you've got like the things that you need for playing the game. There's this elaborate like holographic table that shows the whole galaxy that you're warring over. So instead of it just being little tiles that they put down, like there's an actual dedicated display that you are like pushing around units on like a war room and it's mm-hmm. got like a dark ambient atmosphere and custom music and like smoke machines and stuff imagine imagine that you know what i would be down for that solely because i feel like it would be a way i could convince my friend group to play twilight Imperium <laughs> again yeah, yeah. but that's the thing though right if you're gonna play a game that epic you know mm. you might as well go all out if you're gonna spend that true, long yeah. playing a game um and yeah, I think that's great. And I think that's achievable as well. I don't think that's like No, that's it would not be expensive, but I don't think that's, you know, out of out of bounds. I can see it. Uh yeah, I I would say so the most I've spent on a game is probably Mansions of Madness because we own all the expansions for it. So yeah. collectively it's probably several hundred pounds. Uh, but that's spread over the years because they were putting one out each Christmas. Uh so Sarah and I would pick it up at Christmas and then play it through the Christmas break. So it was like the initial set was like 80 quid, I think, when we picked it up, and then the, the expansions are about 50 each. So each Christmas it would be like our Christmas present to ourselves and then we would play it. Uh, and we we've got a time out of that. We've painted the models, you know, yeah. we've we've really um yeah, we've played it a lot. Yeah. Uh 
but hmm, what would I amp up? Yeah, the tick the ticket to ride premium edition, the twenty no not twenty fifth fifteenth anniversary edition that I did a video on and wrote about for the site. It was disappointing. It really uh, was. I will say, as a train game aficionado, <laughs> I'm expecting you to pick. You know when you go on those little kiddie trains. Like, imagine that scale of train board game. <laughs> that would be good. I was actually thinking, could you play Monopoly, but in an actual, like, miniature village or model village? Someone says billion-dollar Monopoly that contains actual houses in the Oh, that's good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's all the deserted houses in London yeah. uh, that are just owned by millionaires. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm trying to think, what else? What else could you just really amp up? I mean, arguably, you could play downforce of actual cars <laughs> and you just select the days? spot you move to on the thing and it moves think, automatically on like a rail i think the the key here is that you can't just like, like if it's a game about racing cars and you just race cars like that's just racing cars yeah yeah if it's no longer like a board game playing the board game but though. you could break that you could break it into you know like the cars at legoland that yes. you drive around that kind of thing and you select it and it moves and you see like the heads up display yeah so you're still doing the the actual game and you're betting and stuff like that mm-hmm. but you can sit inside one uh I mean, yeah. camel up as well. Let's stack some real camels. Camel up with actual camels. <laughs> no animal cruelty here, please. Uh, they're ro- let's say they're robotic camels for the sake of, you know. Uh, Liv. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. What are you thinking? What's... Um, well, first of all, I was thinking of a robotic, robotic camel that just opens its mouth uh, wide and says, do not be alarmed, I am a camel. <laughs> <laughs> I was there is of. no need to be afraid. <laughs> Please stack me, stack me. <laughs> um... I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I'm thinking, of, you know those weird dog robots that keep falling over all the time? Mm. Oh, God, yeah, Something the ones like... used by, like, the police in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so mine are both very laugh laugh based. Um, <laughs> so number one, probably harder to achieve, maybe. Um, a big group of friends come to a miniature village um, uh, for a few days, um, and uh, everyone takes a drink. Um, and oh, one of the one of the drinks was laced with werewolf serum. <gasps> oh my god! Real life werewolf. Real life werewolf. <laughs> Uh, so, like, the werewolf serum itself doesn't make you attack other people or anything. It just makes you, I don't know, gives you insomnia. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it makes your hair grow. <laughs> it makes your hair grow, gives you insomnia, um, and you kind of you compulsively bark every so often. Um, yeah, and then you go around, and then you. <laughs> You go through doggy doors to people's houses, and <laughs> it's like, why does everyone in this village keep getting attacked by werewolves? Well, we probably shouldn't have put the werewolf flaps in yeah, the, yeah, the, doggy doors, uh, the doggy flap, the werewolf flap. At some, point, at some point, the whole door would just be flap. <laughs> yeah, like kind of cartoon Looney Tunes cut out of like a werewolf running through it. Werewolf go here. Um, <laughs> And then you basically you're in. It would be quite terrifying though because you're like, oh, I could be visited tonight. <laughs> that is ter- that's genuinely terrifying. Yeah, even so if it's scary. your friend with a serum rather than an actual mm. werewolf, the also, idea of yeah. just being jumped. Someone in the chat yeah. uh, suggested a dead of winter laugh as well, which would be yeah. terrifying, but That'd also really 
flipping sick. They do, they do do like airsoft stuff with zombies, yeah, don't they? they do. like, there yeah. are there are like zombie kind of things where they have actors play zombies yeah. and you, mm. you paintball them or whatever it is. Yeah, I've always wanted to do that. Yeah, um, but yeah, um, so if you are visited during the night, um, it's just your friend walking through the big doggy door and being like, "Gotcha." That's that's it. Um, and then you have to play dead for a while. Uh, not not the most thrilling. <laughs> yeah, no, you're really selling this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, option number two is okay. I have a more reasonable version of this one, but mm. I have two versions of it. One is lab based. <laughs> number one, <laughs> this one is um, luxury box um, extends out into a, into a big old mansion. It's betrayal of house on the hill. Um, extends out. You've got all the little bits and bobs, like a doll's house kind of thing. Yeah, exactly, like a doll's oh, house. Good. Yeah, like you, you know, there are like buttons you can push where like the floor goes through and stuff like that, and it's just kind of a weird mousetrap scenario. <laughs> um, I look. will say, when I was a kid, I had a pop-up book that popped up into an entire board game, and it was really? like it was a book That's like cool. this, and you, when as you opened it, it like turned into this circular. Roll huh. move like haunted house style board game, and it was really cool. Like it was really impressive. I don't think yeah. we ever played it, but it just looked really cool. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, I think I think that's doable. Mm. Yeah, I think you know you could like mix some of the haunts into that kind of yeah mm. structure. I got it from the Water Stones in Watford, Matt. <laughs> the... <laughs> the Water Stones in Watford. The Watford. Stones. I would. I remembered that it was oh, the Waterstones, and not, that's not like a football team. I don't know no. anything about <laughs> the Watford Waterstones. <laughs> the Waterstones. <laughs> I don't know. That's They're all very well called. read. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also the LARP version of Betrayal of the House on the Hill, basically a murder mystery kind mm. of uh, thing where you go away for the weekend, um, but one of you is given a secret betrayer card. It's basically the werewolf one, but this time you're given a card, little card instead of a werewolf serum. <laughs> I think it's that could scary. really work, because you could kind of make it a bit like a big game of hide-and-seek. Mm. Yeah. But one of you turns at a random point, and there are all kind of obstacles and so on. I would be very down, and then it's kind of combined with the, like, stay overnight in a... Like, what if it was, like, an escape room, but then, like you said, mm. halfway through, mm. someone turns into someone who's trying to mess things up for you. Yeah, trying to stop oh, you escaping. That would be that sick. Would be good. But what happens when... Okay, so I can see, like, if you're just in the corner, like, I can't do it! Like, then that would be a very betrayer thing. But when people find you out, are you just, like... You just, like, uh, smack they you throw out. you in a room with dynamite, like in... Yeah, <laughs> but um, but it's not a hidden role in betrayal. It's... So, like, if one person gets, yeah. like, special powers given to them via the... Uh, people who are running the game, and then they get to mess with things like, oh, I'm going to turn the lights out in this room so you can't see, oh, you, you know, all that yeah. kind of stuff uh, would be really cool. I was just yeah. thinking, if we're doing LARP stuff, we should like we should go to an actual LARP and get everyone to dress up in like coloured costume armor, and then do a life size Warhammer game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is pretty much LARP. Yeah, but no, but it's Depending literally on one commander on each side. It's like, all right, you you lot move six meters forward, and then I'm gonna roll some dice. Okay, <laughs> eight of you get to punch the other ones. If in you the face. if you thought Warhammer was slow, <laughs> Warhammer love. Seventeen months later, it's like a real world conflict, and it takes months and months and months to resolve. Oh god! All right. Well, there we should, go. We, uh, should we yeah. do some questions? Yeah, let's move on to oh, some geez. questions. If you're in the chat, 
uh, feel free to drop us a question. Uh, we would love to hear from you. And if you're listening to this on Catch Up, uh, wherever that may be, you can get in touch at podcast at dicebreaker.com. Drop us an email. Let us know what you want to know. Mm-hmm. Ask us anything. Why not? Uh, or you can find us on Twitter at Join Dicebreaker. If you drop us a thing there, we'll also see it and we appreciate them all. Um, you might have to tell me if any of these got asked last week. Um, did this top one get asked, Liv? I can't remember. I don't think so. No, I don't remember that one. Okay, cool. Uh, Liv, would you like to read this one from Charlie, please? Absolutely. Charlie Etheridge Nunn says, what would be the worst video game license to adapt into a 5e RPG? This is very uh, on topic. Um, yeah. I'm the thinking like game. Nintendo style, like Animal Crossing, you know? <laughs> but, with, but with combat. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Um, it's time for uh, like, I don't know, KK Slider has turned up. It's time to initiate the combat initiative phase. <laughs> I've always wanted to fight KK Slider. Yeah. yeah. I mean. You just have to pay it's all your good. gold to Tom Nook after mm. every quest. What like a dating simulator? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what D and D five years anyway. Mm, it's not though, is it? Liv? People play it like that. It is. Not it is that. what you make of it, Will. <laughs> <laughs> this is I feel doing. like platform platformers would be bad in 5e like anything that's very movement based because like 5e 5e good at many things movement not really one of them so like maybe like mirror's edge wouldn't be great it's like you you roll to vault over a wall then you roll to there are bits in mirror's edge where you do like parkour or you get in a fist fight or you know like there are enough actions that you could assign to all of the skills but it would be so it would just suck it would be all bad. the momentum yeah exactly that's what i mean yeah, but it would super mario would be world, hard you know? to make you know it's like you go to land on ogumba's head and you have to roll for damage mario 5e says <laughs> oh, yeah yeah exactly tetris um... says baddie wrong legs oh my god i but imagine it so you mentioned platformers so but like you're it's spyro you're just running around trying to get like gems or whatever, and there are a bunch of adventurers just running around trying to kill you because you're a little dragon. <laughs> mm. Dragons and dragons, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like a perspective shift, you know. Mm. Yeah. yeah. To be fair, Crash Bandicoot also would be very bad in Five E because you've got one move and it's spin. spin yeah. <laughs> Simply, Dave suggests uh, advanced D and D Wordle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is there are a number of RPGs that are inspired by Wordle coming out. So, (laughs) you know, people are, people are doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Someone also uh, suggests Hitman. Yeah. uh, I was thinking that's not going to work. Like you you would be able to do a lot of stealth stuff, but. Again, I think Hitman is just like actually enough to work in 5e. I think, again, it would be terrible, but I think it's, it's, it's easy, you know? Yeah. I guess you throw to hit someone in the head with a fire extinguisher or. It would, I guess it would be the like. You'd just be casting disguise self every, yeah, five, yeah. every five minutes. Yeah, you have so many disguise kits. Um, yeah, disguise self will be good enough. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think what we're we're taking away from okay, let's flip this on its head. What would be a video game that might work in five E that's not one of the ones we've already mentioned? Yeah, Baldur's Gate Three. Baldur's Gate Three literally is. Mm. The oh yes, <laughs> I know. <laughs> a bit, bit of a cop out. I know. <laughs> you nailed it. Okay. Joke wheels. <laughs> 
Uh, Desert Croft says Hitman using the Blaze in the Dark engine would be sick though. I yeah. like I can't talk about it, but there's an engine that I am aware of that I think would actually be working really well as a Hitman game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I would be able to email them and ask though because I'll probably <laughs> probably uh, violate some kind of contract. Um, oh, also Felicia says. Ducky Ducky 5e, yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> um, games that would be really good for 5e. The problem, I, mean, I think the problem is it's like there's so many games are based on D&D that it's like... Yeah, bones, this is true. You know? yeah. Yeah. It, and really, you're talking, it's like computer RPGs. Like, yeah. it, it would be like a Baldur's Gate-alike or yeah. something of that ilk, right? It's because they are just so rooted in that. Mm. Like, Fallout would probably work as a 5e thing. Yeah. Like, original Fallout. Um, I think that just all built on that kind of idea. Mm, I think the Red Dead would be a really good one. <laughs> you really, could, that's interesting. You could, you could run around, you know, being part of your little cowboy gang, and you know, you can barter and you can mm, you have shootouts. Take the magic out; it's got a similar vibe of, like, yeah. you know, getting yeah. into hijinks around the world kind of thing. And particularly Red Dead Two, because there there are some very slow parts of that game where you are just cleaning your guns, and like D and D is not. <laughs> a very slick engine when it comes to doing literally anything it's like well for everything so i think it would match that kind of like very slow approach to things it's like you want to clean your gun roll for it you want to like pet your horse roll, roll for, for it, it. Yeah. oh you uh, petted the horse too much and just like chopped its head off with a, with yeah, you a bare his hand well you accidentally shot your yeah. foot oopsie uh, <laughs> rolling a crit Matt, you joke but the amount of times i accidentally hit the punch button when i was trying to mount my horse in red exactly yeah no, so like that button, that yeah. is a one-to-one um we've got another question here from retro futurologist who has been a member for six months thank you very much retro yeah, thank you who says do we have a simon counter and if so what total does it currently stand at so this is, yeah, come on, or call me or not. I refuse to call them Simon. Simon. Uh, you did it. I refuse. Simon. Uh, so I don't know what, if this is just referring to, like, the number of kickstarters the number of times, no, the number of times we've said. Like, oh, the number of times we've right. said Simon. Or come on. This is Alex Meehan sometimes just says it just to wind me up. Yeah, uh, I don't yeah. know if this is supposed to be a very open-ended question. I think it's just a question. <laughs> Would you say it's in the 30s? I would say, uh, no, we've been doing this podcast for what, like... 93 episodes? 93 okay. episodes. I reckon it's at least on, like, a hundred and... A couple, yeah, a couple of hundreds, maybe. Yeah. Wow. Uh, like a lot imagine, of semen. Imagine... Semen. <laughs> I said it! I said Simon. <laughs> That's what I said. Oh, Christ. Oh. Any uh. questions for us, folks? <laughs> Uh, well, Sam, Sam Pauli says, "Would Kingdom Hearts work well or poorly?" I can't tell. Uh, I guess this is for Five E. I don't mm. think it would work work very well. I mean, in I in some ways, it would work not. well because the Kingdom Hearts games control very badly yeah. uh, as platformers. So, if you're looking for something that works very poorly as a platformer, D and D has you covered. <laughs> so, in that way, they are kindred spirits. But uh, yeah, I don't think it would work. Like you've got magic and you've got summons, so I guess you've got some kind of you know some system there you can summon dumbo if you so wish uh or the genie um but like, yeah. i don't remember this in 5e but no you're talking those, about yeah, yeah i'm talking about kingdom hearts right but those games are very floaty in a way that's like i don't think would work and you're just like hitting stuff again and again with a big key mm. 
basically the, the story of Kingdom Hearts. Hit thing with Kingdom key. That's wild. Everybody, yeah, everybody is sad. There's any good elements in Kingdom Hearts, to be honest. But... <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, the best element of Kingdom Hearts is that Donald Duck is legit. Yeah, Nathaniel Levy's beat me to it. Donald Duck in in the lore of Kingdom Hearts is the most powerful <laughs> magic user in that universe. I I love that Donald Duck's been given that platform. He Which, he is my favorite. Yeah, so. by extension, makes Donald Duck the most powerful magic user in both the Disney verse and the Final Fantasy universe. So. Mm-hmm. He is yeah, the Mordenkainen of <laughs> Kingdom more, Hearts. More powerful magic user than anyone in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there's a big, there's a big whale uh, that they go inside. Oh, oh the whale's terrifying. No, no, no. Look, you can't keep doing this. Here's, say hello to chat. Hi, well, at least he's being quiet. Hello, chat. <laughs> <laughs> just, I love the way cats just hang. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right, I think that's that's the questions we have. Uh, and to be fair, we've run a little bit over. So that, regardless, that's where we're calling it today. But uh, yeah, if you have any more questions for us, drop them in chat. We'll save them for next week. Or email us, podcast at dicebreaker.com. Uh, or stick them on Twitter, at Join Dicebreaker. But for this week, that is the Dicebreaker podcast. Thank you for joining us. If you've joined us live, we'll be back next Friday, uh, live each Friday from 2 p.m. GMT. Uh, or, of course, you can catch up after the fact on youtube.com slash dicebreaker. But for now, thank you for being here, Liv Kennedy. Thank you. Emails for me. Uh, yes. <laughs> you beat me to that. <laughs> uh, thank you, Wills. You, Wills. You're very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I think that job is. So thank you for listening. Enjoy your weekend. Stay safe out there. And when we again, have a lovely day. Goodbye. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>